Off Podcast, a podcast where the movies of John Travolta face off with the movies of Nicolas Cage. Until we watch the movie Face Off. I'm Erin Hennessy. And I'm Jess McBride. And we will be your guides along this journey through the forests of Travolta and the fields of Cage. This is our second episode, and get ready, because our thoughts are bent on the promiscuous angels that exist among us. So today, we are matching up City of Angels against Michael. First, we're going to talk about City of Angels. So, it was made in the year 1998 and directed by Brad Silberling. The co-stars, or the notable co-stars, I would say, in this movie are just Meg Ryan. I don't know if I'd consider anyone else to be notable in this movie. Although that the the ex angel, I'll just input the ex angel did win some awards for supporting actor. Really? So he's he. I mean, he's not the most famous actor, but he you know he did his job. I'm pretty sure he was also on NYPD Blue. I should probably look up his name. Oh, he uh, yeah. wasn't he? Am I making that up? No, I I'm never saw an episode up. of that, but I think that I could imagine I him I'm in right. a police uniform. So Dennis Franz. The budget for this movie was $55 million and it made just under $199 million. So wow. it, made some, it made some good money. I'm pretty sure I saw this movie in theaters. And I, <laughs> I was pretty obsessed with Meg Ryan at that time in my life. Let's see, 98. So I was probably, uh, I was 12. And, oh, dang, I, I just, I was really obsessed with her. I don't think I had any major opinions about Nicolas Cage, but there were a lot of movies that came out during that time that just had this kind of vibe, I feel like. There was, this one isn't like an action movie or anything, but it is kind of a drama, and I remember being really drawn to romance drama kind of situations like Armageddon. And, yeah, um, yeah so I think my initial reaction to this movie when I saw it the first time was I loved it. I was uh, very distraught by the outcome of the film. And I, in rewatching it, I, (laughs) there were things I definitely did still love about it. I love seeing some of the cameos that came up in this movie. Andre Brower, who plays Cassiel, who he was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nick Offerman has a little cameo as a construction worker. There's also some, some, not a lot, but there are some, I would call them bangers in this movie. And by bangers, I mean Iris by Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> I also mean... So you mean songs, not sausages. No, I'm going to call them, for all intents and purposes, <laughs> I'm going to call these bangers because they're songs that I love to... Not okay. I don't know where I'm going with this. Gosh, okay. Angel. No, but the, is a song. the soundtrack was a thing, and the soundtrack was a know, big deal. And oh, yeah. songs were actually written for this that then made it that were became really popular just as songs, standalone songs. They did. Yeah, they were definitely really popular. Also, oh, another thing I should point out. This is this is going down memory lane a little bit, but I think I told you about this. So. One of the guys in this movie who basically plays Meg Ryan's other love interest, like it's a do- he's a doctor that she's she's like kind of seeing, but they're like really casual, which is kind of weird. He, uh, Calm Fiore, Fiore, I think Calm okay. Fiore, he was in this like 
Stephen King movie that I remember watching as a teenager and I thought it was the scariest thing ever. Storm of the Century. Yeah. So, so there were definitely, my point is there were definitely faces that I recognized in this movie. Besides that, I would say if I were to give this movie a theme, it is mostly about free will. It's about this idea of free will and that we have choices in our lives and in, in the case of this angel, Nicolas Cage, his, his name is Seth in the movie, he makes this conscious choice to... Do you not like the name Seth? <laughs> I think that was such a funny choice. For, okay, so just for the re- record, for our all of our listeners, yes. I had never seen this movie before. So this was not... this. I'm seeing it in fresh 21st century eyes. And <laughs> I just thought it was a very... It, it, <laughs> it was a very strange movie to me. And the the choice of Seth as a name of an angel was one of these very weird things. Cassiel is sounds very celestial, and and I you does. know I feel like that made sense. I don't know that we heard any other angel names, but Seth Seth to me, with no offense to any Seths, is like a is like a Kevin. It's like a you know it's just like. <laughs> It is a little bit of a Kevin. I don't know. I kind of like it. It is biblical, I believe. So I'll give them that. Like, they they were trying to stay on theme with this, like, you know, celestial heaven kind of, I don't know, biblical thing. But, yeah, it it is interesting because Seth, as celestial as he is, Nicolas Cage, I think the thing that – okay, so we we have this character who decides – he basically decides to fall from heaven – like he jumps off of a building and when angels do that in the movie, they then become mortal, right? So he makes a conscious choice to do that because he is in love with Meg Ryan, who he initially, creepy angel man, Seth, and all of the other angels, they just are kind of existing in Los Angeles, right? So so they are like overseeing people's deaths and they're guiding them to heaven. And those are the people that can see Awkwardly them. Awkwardly squeezing yes. them on the shoulder <laughs> to Awkwardly squeezing, putting their head on their violence. shoulder, all these different things. They're like observing what's yeah. going on. They live in li- the library in Los Angeles. So, so these angels have a very weird existence. And I would say that like, generally the angels are interesting they're an interesting concept they kind of like walk in unison there's like a a, an opening shot of them like three of them walking um with the same feet you know like left right left right on a on the roof of a building in los angeles there's some coordination yeah there's a lot of coordination they're very cool they wear cool clothes they wear long black trench coats Okay, define okay, we're gonna we're gonna circle back to clothing, but I'm just gonna put we a will. pin in that cool put a pin Aaron, in this it. is cool clothing in there in the eyes is, of Aaron and I think it's super cool and definitely okay. when this movie came out I thought they were very cool because they were wearing all black. That was like right before I believe that was before The Matrix, but that was another big trench coat movie. Uh, I was a okay. fan of I liked the trench coat look, I guess. I wasn't like, you know, wearing trench coats to school or anything. So, I definitely had friends who wore trench coats, but Okay. So you like the trench coats. Hold on. Yeah. So basically he makes the choice to mm-hmm. fall from heaven, which is a literal fall. He has to literally fall from a height, which doesn't make total sense. Yeah. I mean they it seems like they kind of fly since they you see them perching on high things a lot. So he he literally falls. He literally and falls. Wakes up wakes up in a human, you know, with a fully human body. Yeah. Um 
to to be with this woman who he's he's only really creepily interacted with. Hello, Maggie. It's nice to see you again. It's weird to see you again. Weird is nice. <laughs> you like Hemingway? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm starting to. Yeah. As I ate the oysters with their strong taste of the sea and their faint metallic taste, as I drank their cold liquid from each shell and washed it down with the crisp taste of the wine, I lost the empty feeling and began to be happy. He never forgets to describe how things taste. I like that. Hmm. Do you, do you come here a lot? I live here. Which is not to say that humans don't do that, right? Like, you hear about totally. these stories that are like, I saw this woman in a cafe, and I knew I was going to marry her. And then I, like, found out where she worked and gave her flowers and all these things. So maybe this is his grand gesture. Maybe this is his, you know, bouquet of flowers at work gesture is, like, fully changing his his the realm in which he lives in order to like take a chance on being with Meg Ryan exactly and we'll come back to this as we talk about Michael as well but I'm wondering if there just is this thing about heavenly beings that makes them not creepy by every account everything Nicolas Cage does to this woman is creepy he the way he interacts with her she is very intrigued with him even though he is almost infantile, like he, he doesn't understand anything. He can't function, even though he's also observed humans forever. I mean, theoretically, since are you talking about before or after he fell? Because he, I feel like he was creepy before and after, and he was became a little bit more infantile afterwards, right? Because he was like actually having to learn things. The scene with Nick Offerman's little cameo. I mean, it wasn't a cameo. I guess it was just like an acting role he had but you know Nick Offerman kind of makes fun of him because he's like rejoicing in the fact that he's alive and he's bleeding and stuff and Nick Offerman's just like what are you doing you're at a construction site kind of a thing I don't know he just has to learn how to do everything right including having sex he does they they he loses his virginity to Meg Ryan which in Tahoe seems like the Tahoe, place. which is the perfect place yeah yeah no, and totally. I want to say something about that too because I feel like this story sort of uses what is commonly, in my opinion, a trope of having an experienced man bring, like, kind of educate a young woman to do something, you know, write or sing in the opera or whatever, dance ballet. There's, there's this male mentor that takes mm-hmm. on a female student, and then she kind of opens him up emotionally, and then he falls in love with her and, you know, is sort of humanized from his sort of cerebral pedestal. And I think that kind of is switched in this movie, which is really interesting um, that she is a more, she, I mean, you have to be very intellectual to be a surgeon, very like, uh, you have to have a really strong ego, really strong instincts to be a surgeon. And she's in that role. Um, And she's kind of teaching this 
new friend who is a new (laughs) human, how to be a human, basically. And he's kind of opening her up to, like, this new experience of, of, I don't know, I mean, feelings. Like, maybe she was with this other guy, but not necessarily being vulnerable with him. What's that like? What's it taste like? Describe it, like Hemingway. Well, it tastes like um, (laughs) a pear. You don't know what a pear tastes like? I don't know what a pear tastes like to you. To like enjoy this the simple pleasure of touch like that he's really finding. Biting uh, into well, a no, pear. She, she, she teaches well, him. She's that. teaching him about the pears. Yeah. Um, well, she she takes him shopping for pears, but I feel like he really knows how to bite into a pear. You know, he like uh, the scene when she he, <laughs> he makes her describe it right. Like he yeah he makes her describe the experience. Well, true. and yeah, so maybe he's saying like. Not everyone can un- has this sense of touch like you do. Like, really think you know, kind of isolate that, and be grateful for it, and and really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> they're teaching each other. Uh, they're teaching, but I yes. think, yeah. But I think I think that in general, like, yeah, she's she's the main mentor for him, and and mm-hmm. as is you know. As the story goes, the te- the mentor dies tragically. Yes. Uh, Spoiler. him to uh, go off on his own, which I'd like to think that, you know, as Nick Cage is, like, in Los Angeles alone, um, as Seth the Angel is is kind of how Nicolas Cage got his start in Hollywood. <laughs> it's, he's Wait, really what? an ex-angel. Yeah, he's really, <laughs> Nicolas Cage, the actor, is really an ex-angel that had to do something in Los Angeles, and he's like, well, I may as well be a... An actor. An actor. I might try <laughs> That's my That's what everyone else is doing. Interestingly, um, Jessica, um, this is kind of crazy, but someone recently, because they knew about the fact that we were starting this podcast, told me and sent me the link to it. There is a Reddit thread that... Basically, it's people that believe that <laughs> Nicolas Cage is a deity. So, <laughs> so that anyway, it's hard to believe. I um, mean, but that, I will. We need to investigate that. Maybe we'll do an episode on that Reddit thread. Because yeah, we might. If why I'm not? Sure we'll, we can explore that. the The last thing I will say about City of Angels. So I do overall. I really enjoyed the theme of it, right? This idea of free will, and I think the consequences of th- free will is the really the big mm-hmm. thing that that is emphasized because mm-hmm. we see these these choices that we can make, and actually all throughout the movie, I feel like even when they're interacting with people at the beginning of the movie, like the angels are interacting with these different people and hearing their thoughts. With some of them, we do see what 
could happen or what does happen because of the choices they make. And this is, I mean, the, the biggest consequence in this movie is, you know, fr is from Nicolas Cage's action of choosing to become human. He chooses to become human. I guess, I guess it's not a, con well, he chooses to become human to be with a mortal and he is mortal as a result. And then the mortal that he loves dies. And, you know, it, it's super sad, but it's also, it's an interesting conversation and it's, it's something that is like a part of the life or the lives we lead on earth. Everyone has different opinions about spirituality and whatnot, but like ultimately we all, I think most people agree that like we make choices and sometimes we, we can only make the best choices we can, but then uh, things happen. Life happens. So yeah, I think, I think the same thing. That the same theme is echoed in, you know, stories like Arrival, where mm -hmm. you have, you know, if you knew the, the future, you know, if you know that you're going to experience grief, will you stay, will you take that step to be vulnerable, to experience the joy that you know will lead to grief and loss? And I think that Seth, someone asked him at the end, you know, is it worth it? And he's like, if I could just... <laughs> smell her hair it was worth it and you're like what yeah. no but uh but it was you know that's a feeling I think that's a, a feeling that love definitely evokes is that like even even fleeting joy and happiness is is worth uh is worth the price so <sighs> thank you Nicholas Cage for teaching teaching us that You know that thing when you go out and you just know your wings are showing? For some well-endowed angels, your flappers are simply too large to be covered by a professional blazer or evening jacket. But now, the folks at Trench have got you covered. You need a coat that's long enough to accommodate your feathers, flexible enough to get your dance on, and cool enough to impress all the ladies. Or men, but mostly ladies. Trench has got it all. I'm currently wearing the Urban Cali Trench, which is durable, lightweight for summer, and also invisible to most humans. Don't want to commit to just one trench? Try the Trench subscription service. Their stylist will help you find a trench that's right for you. And if you want to change up your style, say for a road trip to Chicago or a creepy first date, just send in your current trench, and they'll send you a brand new trench to fit your needs. Now available in both winged and wingless cuts. Because an angel body is just a body that's also an angel. And every angel body needs a trench. Just enter code FACEOFF, that's FACEOFF in all caps, at checkout, and you'll receive a 3% discount on your second order. Trench, we've got you covered. So let's move on to the movie Michael. This was uh, a movie that came out two years earlier than City of Angels, 1996. It was directed by Nora Ephron, whoop, whoop. who is incredible, um, and also features Andy McDowell and William Hurt. Um, we don't know how much money was spent on this movie because they didn't disclose it. We can't it. find it anywhere. It's a yeah. mystery budget. Um, 
It was about five dollars, apparently. <laughs> just kidding. Was five dollars, um, just like a foot long. But it did. It did get a hundred and twenty million in the box office, which is not that much behind Steve Angels, and I'm kind of actually surprised it was that much. Um, yeah. Because of how under the radar this movie is, but you know, I think people were, you know. Uh, interested in angel movies in this time. Like, this was, like, the era of Touched by an Angel. Um, you know, I think The Preacher's Wife. The Preacher's Wife. I think there was a an angel kick during the 90s. Angels in the Outfield. Oh, Angels in the Outfield. What and a classic. So, you know, and I'm sure we could make up some statistic about how many Americans believe in angels. And, you know, it's... I, I think it's all based in... This era of the 21st of the 20th century is the 90s when we made a whole bunch of stories about angels. So, Michael was a fascinating movie. I wish we had been able to watch it together because it was so wackadoo. I thought it was. I don't know what I thought it was going to be like. I kind of thought it was going to be in the vein of, like, I don't know, Jerry Maguire. Like, I. Show me the money. Show me the money. Like, just shout. I don't know. I'm just like that kind of vibe where, like, there's like some weird and, like, you know, definitely trench coats, which there was, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that was, I thought it was going to be more serious and it was so wacky and I loved it. And really, I think it defied a lot of common story (laughs) forms. I love that, like, Nora Ephron totally leaned into that. And I kind of felt while watching it, like, I think maybe this movie was made on a dare. Like, I dare you to make a movie about an angel with wings. And with, like, I feel like there was a scavenger hunt of items that, like, they had to include. Wings, a little dog, and a decapitated Christmas tree. Yeah, like, there's just such random stuff in there. and (laughs) Yeah. A table so full pies. of pies. So basically we have a an angel that is living with an elderly woman. This elderly woman is a fan of this tabloid columnist. And she writes in and says, hey, I've got an angel that's living with me. You should write a story about him. And these tabloid writers are desperately in need of a successful story. So they go um, to go check it out. And... Have you ever met an angel? Once. I had a flat tire on a deserted country road, and a man in a white robe suddenly appeared on the horizon. You're kidding. (laughs) Yes, I am. Are you with the angel? Do you see an angel? I don't think I do. Then how could I be with them? (laughs) We don't know exactly how it works with angels. If he's in the room, then you're with him. If he's somewhere else, then you're not. And that's why we can't see him now. Are you impaired in some way? This Winters probably has never heard of uh, an angel living in a motel. Oh, you think I'm full of... No, no, nothing like that. Michael! Are you coming down, dear? Yeah. Just gotta find my smokes. So there's also this thing of, like, do we believe in the angel? Like, is this a real thing? Which I think is another common thread of the angel movies. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Meg Ryan, 
in City of Angels does not believe in angels. Angels in the outfield, you know, there's yeah. a lot of questioning of no one really are knows. Are they real? Or are sure. they not? Not, yeah. not everyone they can flap see them. Their wings when they when they believe and yeah, this yeah. angel did appear to everybody. Like no one couldn't not see the angel or whatever. Yeah. Um, I really liked that him. he was very visible and, and he was very yeah. visible. And but it was sort of a question of like, is he an angel? They even could see the wings too. Like they were mm-hmm. in the kitchen and he you know, here's the wings and they look and they're like, it must be animatronic. And there wasn't a conclusion. There wasn't like, yes, they're they are implanted into his skin. Even that would have been mm-hmm. a story, I feel like. You know, who is this plastic surgeon that performed this? We don't know. So they want, why did they, they felt like they had to bring him to Chicago. And so they go on a road trip. Yes. Oh, they have to road trip because Michael refuses to fly in an airplane. So, right. so it's like all of these things just like fall into place and, you know. Yeah. yeah, which again, it's not necessary. It, it didn't fall nicely into place. Like some That's stories true. are very much like, oh, this is like they kind of line up things that everyone would agree. Yes, this is a constraint, but kind of lining up like, well, the angel can't fly in an airplane is sort of, well, why? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like there's not really good reason. But, you know, people like he's basically an angel. He's well, he's specifically Michael the Archangel. So this is a, you know, specific angel mentioned in the Hebrew scriptures. Beelzebub. Yes, he did. So he's sort of a warrior angel that seems to be retired. You know, he's selecting <laughs> the the American Midwest as the retirement area, which is confusing. But he's, you know, he's having a great time with he Betsy. He loves and conflict. He loves conflict. He loves he, conflict. He loves fighting. Like, he looks for any opportunity he can to fight. And he shouts yes. his famous well, thing. Well, he's a You know, I think he's a mix because he does like battle. Like, he specifically he likes to battle. Battle. Be there. Don't worry. What can happen, you know? He also likes order. He apparently invented standing in line and he invented marriage. So there's this sense that like he likes chaos, but he doesn't necessarily create, um, or he he also create, he creates order as well. He creates um, order from like out of necessity. Like when he sees that there's a need, because he said everyone, uh, like it was too chaotic. Okay. So, so I just made a line. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, he kind of teaches humans to love, you know, he's, he's teaching the two reporters to, you know, even though they're professionals that work together 
to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. He teaches the waitress that she is worthy of amazing all night love. Um, <laughs> he <laughs> does know, that. That's the main point. And he has sex with a lot of women. Well, does he? Well, yeah, he has sex with the judge and the waitress. That's not and- clear. Uh, yeah, it is. Oh my gosh. When they, okay, so What did they, she say? That oh my gosh. Into, I can't believe you didn't pick the up chambers. on this. So the, what did yeah, she say? They went into the chambers. She, she like had a recess and you could tell, you could just tell she, that was going to go down. They were just going to have sex. Right. That's how he got them out of this, this thing. He got them off the hook because he just like slept with the judge. Because he smells like okay. cookies. That was the other thing. He smells like he smells like something that women love. Well, they said that I mean, at some don't, point. I don't all humans love cookies. Well, yeah, but all like the that's women, a particularly female, all thing. the women in the movie are very attracted to him, except for Annie McDowell. Her character, he puts a block on. He says that later in the movie. He's like, I put a block on you because she's like, I'm not. I wasn't attracted to you, or I like, I don't want to sleep still with you. She, well. That's true, but I feel like this goes to my point is that she still smelled the cookies. So I think the cookie smell oh. wasn't necessarily his sexual appeal. That wasn't like his pheromones that he that's was giving his, off? No, I think that's just okay. his vibe of like teaching people to love and to eat sugar. And He does love sugar. <laughs> that's that, another thing. <laughs> that, was, that was part of his brand. Um, he also breaks out some dance moves in this movie, which I think – you know, people try to do with Don Travolta. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get any of that in From Paris with Love. But, you know, it, early Travolta is very much a dancer. And so I think, you know, Nora knew this. Nora was like, we need to see some dance moves, which we did get to see and it was wonderful because he was in the bar and he started dancing with, with this one lady. But, like, I mean, he kind of just empowered her to dance and then she Mm -hmm. danced with this other woman and then he was dancing with someone else and basically got a huge gaggle of women to dance in a fun uh empowered way and he wasn't creeping up on them he wasn't predatory he was he was empowering and he was Mm -hmm. he was just dancing like a goofball by himself a lot of the time and so I think that's I think that's a good lesson for for men. It's like if you want to be a good dancer, don't be creepy. Just and dance. Dance confidently by yourself sometimes and mm-hmm. people will be like that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I really I really really appreciated this movie just because I mean like you're saying it was it was kind of more about these characters that were just existing in this space together and traveling and living in the present or he was kind of teaching them to do more of that. And another thing I love that I, you you hadn't mentioned yet is just, I, if we're, okay, so the last movie, I said there were some bangers. There are really some bangers in the Michael movie. Like, Nora Ephron has amazing taste in music. She and does. Some, some of the songs it. that were on there, uh, there was CCR, Come on the Rising Wind, Aretha Franklin, Randy Newman did the score, so, and there was also Randy Newman uh, Feels Like Home, which is a fantastic song. Uh, I think there was a Willie Nelson song, and there was a Van Morrison song. It was just like all across the board, so good. Yeah. It just gave me good, happy feelings, and I loved that. I loved just that part alone in the movie. 
It was it was so I fun. I think this is something about the '90s too that I don't know I that we have anymore is having a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, is I mean I'm trying to think of of the movies. I, I would say Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, was the last okay. one well, that I remember having a really good soundtrack, but it's very intentionally done and like worked yes. into the movie too. So. Yes, I agree. And but like I loved having those soundtracks, you know, from and and having those. It was almost this mixtape that the director or whoever was making the decision was giving you, being like, "This is the vibe of the movie, and this is like these are artists that I like and." Um, a lot of the CDs that I had in high school were soundtracks. Like, mm-hmm. remember the Titans had a great soundtrack. Yep. Uh, You've Got Mail had a killer soundtrack. Shrek um, had a good soundtrack. <laughs> that's true. That's not. That's I love Shrek's soundtrack. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and I just oh, think so you many. know I'm. Yeah. So let's let I want to be observant and see if any of our current movies have this, but I think a lot of them are just scored. Which is not bad. It just, it's just, uh, we're, and I, I don't know if there's other, um, I don't know if licensing has changed and that has like contributed to, you know, the, this difference. But I, that's something I miss about the 90s. I don't miss a ton of things. That's something I miss. Now we're going to transition into a segment that we call Objectifyingly Speaking, in which we attempt to mildly objectify. <laughs> John, these two and men. Nick, <laughs> because we're women um, and we can do that too. We're allowed we need to, to flip objectify. the script on this. Yes. So clothing, clothing. Um, we've mm-hmm. mentioned it before. We'll mention it again. This was a, a heavily trench coated decade. Oh yeah. And these movies were not an exception. I mean, I think in Michael, he needed a trench coat, and he even borrowed another one, right, to like cover his enormous wingspan. Um, and so that was sort of awkwardly on it, but, but I think it served to do what trench, trans, trench coats do best, uh, for men is to give them broader shoulders, right? Like I Indeed. think that some trench coats even have elbow pads or not elbow pads. Oh, shoulder pads. Oh, shoulder definitely. Pads in them t- it's like, that's, it kind of gives you, you know, at least like a year's worth of, you know, push presses or whatnot. Also, so, you don't, you don't have to do any, any work. It's so interesting because looking back, my mom at the time, like when these movies were coming out also, wore like longer jackets and jackets that had shoulder pads. She wore sweaters with shoulder pads. Like that was a very popular thing even for women as well. This like idea of just like broadening your shoulders and maybe that was like a subconscious thing to, to become more masculine or like more domineering or something Mm -hmm. like that especially in the workplace. I don't know what, what that was, but but yeah, the trench coats were I'm big. Sure Loose clothing yeah. was big in both of these movies. You see that. Yeah. High-waisted jeans, like Meg Ryan's jeans are out of control. Um, <laughs> I can't, oh my gosh. I didn't really observe Andy McDowell's clothing as much as I probably She had the baggy have. vibe going on. Like she had the 90s bagginess. Yeah. Um, at, you know, in jackets and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I think, I think they were very true to the '90s in that way. Um, hair and grooming. I did not like either of the grooming situations <laughs> at all. Travolta was needed some product. He needed he needed a, a either a razor or a 
an electric shaver or something. Like he was out of control. Uh, he was. He, with his facial hair, I think he. I think he was letting himself go a little bit because he was with an, you know, he's with Betsy and she was really supportive of him, mm-hmm. and you know his his hair was magnificent in its richness, but I think it could have used a little bit of style. I agree, and also, well, I was I was just trying to figure out like, did this movie happen around the same time that? Pulp Fiction did because maybe he just like was like, I'm going to keep my hair long. But Pulp Fiction happened like two years prior to this. So he was just like going for like a long, a long hair vibe for a while in the 90s. Or he grew up, either he grew out his hair, that's a wig or something. I don't know. But I just didn't love it. No, I'm sure it was his hair. Well, I guess I'm not sure, but I feel like it is. I feel like there was this long hairedness to the 90s where you, you tried to achieve the perfect wave wave to length ratio mm-hmm. um but I think a lot of st- yeah like styled hair was that long you know the long tresses but not long enough to have a man bun Mm-mm. um but in this yeah this kind of um I'm trying to think of another character uh that has this kind of long hair but anyway I mean I think that that's also kind of a sign of virility, right? Is to have long, that beautiful hair long hair, balding. Yeah, and anyway. I will say, like, if if we are comparing the two, I mean, Nicolas Cage never has great hair. Like, that is not a strong a strong suit of his. His hair looks decent in this one. I'd say it's somewhere Listen, in the he's middle. Very well kempt. Like, I feel like all yes. the angels of Los Angeles were were really well groomed. Like it seemed like their trench coats were were dry cleaned. They were in order. They were not slumpy or dirty. And no, nope. and all the hair the hair was like well groomed. And I think that they had those standards in that region. And mm-hmm. and I think that maybe if Michael had been in that region, they would have kept him in line a little bit, and he would have been like, well. Maybe I need to clean my trench coat. I need to do a better job of shaving or having a trim five o'clock shadow or something. But, you know, yeah. as it was, he wasn't really in a community of angels. He wasn't. So. He was very, he was, maybe just archangel status means that you're yeah. separate or some. I don't know. You kind of go, he's a lone wolf, you know? Yeah. I don't know what he was. I think he was a lone he was wolf something. for sure. Yeah. Um, are they dateable no that's not the right question which one would you date which one would on a dating show with two characters i think i think i would honestly i would still date seth oh my gosh you can have because i want someone to go grocery shopping with me i just just want someone to pick up pears no Rewatch the beginning of the movie where he is in the room with a little girl and he is like squeezing people he's a creeper I know. I can't deal with that. And I can't I'm not... have that on a date. I can't. I don't want a touchy person on a date. I want someone who will start dancing with me and then will dance away. That's who I choose. I choose Michael well, every time. Well, it sounds like that's going to work perfectly because then we don't have to fight over these guys, you know? Like, Perfect. I will just go out on my date with Seth and you can go out on a date with Michael and presumably you will have more sex. But listen, as long, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as long as we can all share a table full of pies, then I'm, 
I'm up for that. Yeah. That's what I want. I just want the pie. Can I do the pie? Mm, that's, uh, no. Pie doesn't wear trench <laughs> that's coats. Not a, that's a one-sided relationship. It and is. You can and do better I'm, than that. No, it's true. It's true. Okay. So. Okay. Let's, let's get down to the face-off. Okay. Dun, 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 off. Face-off. I think they both brought an A game to the table for their for their roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that to make them creepier or less human, the director had Nicolas Cage and all the angels not blink on screen. Uh-huh. Um, I did not know this before I watched the movie, and so I didn't get to double check. But it, apparently, Nicolas Cage had to like practice that and and train himself to not blink, which is sort of an unnecessary level of of acting practice, I think. But also something that Nicolas Cage, I feel like, would love. Based on what I know about him and the way that he puts thought into roles, I'm sure he loved that challenge. Sure. Because yeah. he, he just, like, goes – he goes all in. So. He leans in. Yeah. Um, so I think he was adequately creepy, mm-hmm. but I don't know that he did the job of, like – charming and I I could just speak for myself but I want to say that this is universal I don't think he did the job of like being so charming that you're like also rooting for him um that's to mm -hmm. that's my opinion I you know like I think there's a lot of these movies particularly with Meg Ryan where it's like oh she's with someone already she's already with you know, a boyfriend who's who's very sensible. A very capable boyfriend, yes. A very capable boyfriend, but maybe not one that has a charming, you know, has, like, good chemistry with her and, like, loves her quirkiness and, like, I don't know. And here, here's, a, here's our hero who's going to come in and show her this, like, great level of romance and quirkiness and they deserve to be together because there's this real romance between the hero and mm-hmm. Meg Ryan. But I don't, I didn't feel that with Nicolas Cage. I felt like he's just a creepy angel, baby human. Why would she go from sensible, high-earning surgeon who's really <laughs> nice? Like, he's not bad. You he know, isn't. I don't know if there's, he's not I don't know great, if there's like a reverse, yeah. if there's like a reverse save the cat, like a kill the cat thing where, where it's like, oh, we're, this is why we're not rooting for surgeon man like you know I just felt like he was just a little vanilla which is he was not he was kind so of contemptible yeah. it isn't it isn't for sure I agree with you I think that um there was something lacking in in the relationship they they obviously like were drawn to each other but I wouldn't understand that like if I were in Meg Ryan's right. shoes I wouldn't be like yeah I'm I'm gonna go for that angel what man if- what if Tom Hanks was the angel? Oh my gosh, game over. Oh, I would have Yeah, been that so would be he would have been that. such a good like creepy but then now like I'm thinking of um Big. Yeah. Where, like he's the oh, he's like a new he's like a new adult and he's like you know, that would have been great. That was yeah. So that, I maybe fail you pitch a on, remake or something. I don't know. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> also, I mean on on the note of Michael yeah. The thing that Travolta did so well in this because this this movie was just kind of this rambling, bumbling, silly fun adventure, right? Kind of a romp. And I think he really rose to the occasion and he completely embodied that character. 
Mm-hmm. He was very believable. He was just fun. He was this like badass angel who was promiscuous and smoked and, you know, did everything that you is unconventional and you would not expect an angel to do, but he did it well. And he just like conveyed the message of the movie really well. And so it made it really fun to watch and to engage with the story in a way that was not unfun. I did enjoy it. I watched city of angels first and I did really enjoy it. If I had watched Michael first, I think City of Angels would have felt like even more of a slog. Like, I would have just been mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I want to watch Michael again. So, I mean, ultimately my vote is that Travolta was better and the movie Michael itself was better as a result of that great acting. So <laughs> I fully concur. So I think we're, I think we're in consensus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael is the winner this week. Michael's the winner. Face-off, which means... Are they one and one now? Well, it depends on how we're doing our point system. If if we each oh, give them a the point, point then we're doing two to two. If we're if we're going like unconventional scoring, which I think we should. So I like that too. Get a Let's point for each basketball. Of us. St- yeah, basketball style. Mm-hmm. Two points, and uh, so we, we're now at two and two. Yes. Um. Okay. Neck and neck. Neck and neck. Trench coat to trench coat. Only have like. A few more movies, more like eight movies, and then we'll determine the winner. So we are now at the segment of our podcast where we talk about things that are going on in our lives in the form of peaches. Peaches are lovely things, right? They're they're sweet and delicious and generally good things. So Jess, I want to know, is there a peach in your life right now? Is there something that you're really enjoying? Um, I'm going to say that I really enjoyed taking a welding class, uh, for my birthday. It was my birthday yesterday and, Happy birthday. Uh, my, thank you. Like for my birthday, sometimes I try to f- learn a new skill or do something that I've never done before. And just to keep me humble as I age. Um, and so this year I took a welding class and it was very exciting and actually was really empowering to kind of understand how welding works and how sort of metal fabrication works because I think that's it it takes kind of a level of um you know equipment and knowledge to get into that like I think like any child can sort of hammer two pieces of wood together and be like oh interesting like this is the basics of woodworking but like with metal I mean I guess you could punch tin you know to make a little like ornament or something which I did Mm -hmm. as a homeschooler but you know to to actually like attach two metal pieces together and like you know do welding is is uh not everyone gets to experience that so I was super grateful for that that's so fun I love it what about you what is your peach Gosh, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. It's been kind or of a pear. tough week. Can, we ha- can it be pear oh, this week? Can, this week, can it be uh, a juicy pear? It could be a nice <laughs> juicy pear. Uh, we'll go with that. I October's a really tough month for teachers because it's one of the longest months on the calendar. Oh, and we I only had, yeah, it's, it's no pretty holiday. rough. It's real yeah. rough. I'm, I'm kind of okay. at a rough spot. It's fine. I'm just like antsy and... I think a way that I've been processing that or the best way for me right now is doing CrossFit, not to, you know, evangelize the the awesomeness of CrossFit, 
I feel like that's what how everyone feels about cr- CrossFitters is that they just like don't stop talking about it. But I've been doing a lot of lifting and recently I did some clean and jerks and it just felt good to do that. Like to just like throw heavy things around and throw them over my yeah. head and all that stuff. Like it's been really essential to my sanity and just like mm. keeping me feeling good in a time that is hard. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm really thankful for that. That's quite a peach. That is awesome. Yeah. I love clean and jerks. I wish we could, you know. Clean and jerk together. Uh, I Yeah, I was going to say it and then I felt weird about it. But why? Why would I do that? You do not need to feel weird about that. It's just a lift. It's just an Olympic lift. It's just lifting. Yep. Um, I'm grateful for that peach in your life, too. So what's next? Our next episode, we will be facing off Travolta's Broken Arrow and Cage's National Treasure. I'm pretty stoked. I actually haven't seen either of these movies, so I'm really excited. You've never seen National Treasure? I have never seen National Treasure. I have to say that, like, National Treasure, it, it's a, it's like a tie between The Rock and National Treasure of, like, people people's interest in Cage Travolta movies. And so I think National Treasure was, was a movie that hit the box office hard, and, I mean, it's a real treat. So I'm excited about that, too. And, I'm, yeah, I've never seen Broken Arrow. It's got like some Christian one, Slater so. in it. I'm just, I'm wow. stoked across the board. It's going to be good. Well, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Face Off Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at faceoffpod or email us suggestions at faceoffpod at gmail.com. We hate to see you go, but we love to watch you leave. Bye-bye. Bye. Yay. 47 minutes. Or wait, it's not we too bad. probably a little longer. Yeah. Um, 49 minutes. And my thing is...